welcome to this podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen and welcome to the podcast Agility Humanity. We are exploring anything on the intersection of agility and humanity. Our statement is that humanity is as essential as agility. You can learn a lot by listening in to the conversations with my guests. So relax and enjoy the show. So hello everyone, my name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen and welcome to another episode of Agility Humanity. Today I have as a guest Noel Warnell. He's a uh, UK-based coach in London. He has a real passion for coaching leaders, helping businesses and organizations become more agile and also visualizing content. I've seen a few of your sketch notes and visualizations passing by online. So welcome, Noel, and how are you today? Great, thanks. Lovely introduction. I'm very well, thank you, Frederick. Yeah, good. You having a good day? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, welcome, and this our podcast is called Agility Humanity. And uh, yeah, we, we exchanged a few thoughts, what possible topics to talk about. So aspects more on the human side of Agile, humanizing the workplace, creating human connections. Of mm. course, that is in, you know, I'd say at the center of, of being agile and agility. Mm. But still, we do notice that a lot is, is about frameworks, processes, roles, etc. So when we talk about the uh, aspects of the human side of agile, what comes to mind for you? What do you think is important? All of it. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I completely agree with your sentiment as well, that actually without the human element, I mean, what is agile? It's, it's nothing really. Um, it's critical to the success of any work, any team, any business is to, to be connected as a group of people and humans. So I was really interested in the, the name of your podcast and some of the topics that you cover. Um, I guess the initial thing that springs to mind is uh, I've just run a retrospective today uh, for a leadership team. So I'm thinking about retrospectives and one of the very human type focused retrospectives that I've done previously is around emotions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the emotions-based retrospective. Have you seen that one? Well, I'm, I'm very, very interested and, and keen to learn. Um, mm. Myself, when I facilitate or organize a retrospective, I do also tap into this emotion, but that's not the main, the main focus of it. Mm. Uh, you know, I often see this mad, sad, glad, like uh, how do people feel... <laughs> Mm. But when you talk about emotion-based retrospective, what is yeah. that then? Yeah, it's, it goes beyond that and, and a bit deeper than the, the, the type of things that you mentioned. So, yes. And the type of team that you'd want to do this with, I, for me, I think you can do it with a, a brand new team or a distributed team um, or a team that's even already very well established, very mature and high performing. I think it has value in all of those different contexts. But quite simply, at the end of every day of the sprint, assuming that you're using Scrum um, and you're working in, say, a two-week or a three-week time box, at the end of each day, you simply ask each of the team members to plot 
where they are currently feeling about the day on a graph um, with a matrix very simply of kind of a big smiley face at the top and a you know an angry red face at the bottom and you simply ask them just to plot themselves where they are and as a perhaps the scrum master would collect this information and they would start to create a graph around this. It could be something that they're doing by hand. It could be something that they're doing on a virtual whiteboard like Mural or Miro. But it's really powerful to bring that final graph into the retrospective. Mm. Um, it actually helps take this conversation straight in because you don't need to do the data gathering element of it. Um, or you don't need to do all of the data gathering element of the retrospective because you've got a bunch of data that's already there. And you can simply say to the team, look, this is how this sprint made us feel. Hmm. Every day, look at, look at the trend. Maybe we're all following exactly the same path. What does that tell us? You know, maybe we're really in sync. We're experiencing this project or this work in exactly the same way. Or maybe there's differences between us where some people had a brilliant day on Wednesday, but yet other people had a really bad day. So what's going on there? Why is there such a difference in how we're feeling? Um, and I, I just love this format because it, it just, there's no judgment. It's based on data, but it allows you to just jump straight in uh, to really meaningful conversation that, that connects people at a human level. So it's like an indicator or a bit of an index of the, the happiness mm. of the team and, uh, yeah. and yeah. How, they, how they felt, how they experienced also really on an emotional level. Yeah. It's like, what's the, what was the mood that this, the work and us working together has created? Um, you know, a very, and I've never seen this where it's a nice flat line on the smiley face across the top. <laughs> so, yeah, what, all... what would that indicate? Like, you're <laughs> probably not human, they're like robots <laughs> without, without any emotions. So, that would also be, uh, yeah. Strange, no? yeah, yeah, definitely. But I've, there's always something to talk about, it always exposes something interesting to talk about. Um, and how do you dig? How do you dig deeper then? When when this is like a trigger, or you know, we all notice or observe that hmm, something happened there. How, hmm. how do you dig deeper then? Yeah, so it naturally leads into a bunch of additional questions. You know, is there? Can anyone remember what happened there, or does anyone want to say why they felt like that on that day? Um, was it an external event? impact in the team was it something happening within the team um what do we want instead or, or if that happens again what would we how would we like to act in a different way that maybe changes the mood or the impact that it has on us hmm. um so yeah you can just once you've got the visual in front of you and you're all talking about something that you can all see it then just allows you to probe into different elements and you, you'll, you'll soon find something where someone's got something to say about it. And that's normally a good place to start. Yes. Yeah. So a retrospective is one moment where we can uh, create an environment for teams and that they mm. can inspect and adapt, improve. But what else when starting with a team or kind of rebooting a team or creating team ag agreements, etc. How do you bring on bring in this aspect of 
human connection and you know that people realize that we're not just here to perform the job the task mm-hmm. at hand but that we're here as a team and that mm. we're dependent we're dependent we want to be interdependent on each other we're yeah hu- human people collaborating together so how how do, how do you focus on that to to mm. also grow a team on that aspect yeah i, I actually start with that um, so it, we're not going to talk about the work. Uh, we're not going to necessarily talk about us as a team. Even we just start by understanding each other as people. Um, and so that there's a bunch of tools, things like personal maps, um, that are great for conversation starter. Cause the other element here as well is that, you know, when we were talking about the retrospective, there's an assumption there that people within those teams are happy to, um, talk openly about their feelings and that they're, they're, they're happy to express that and that there's enough psychological safety. Um, but you have to also be able to know that in advance a little bit by understanding the people and their personalities. And maybe you've got some introverts and you've got some extroverts and maybe you've got um, people who have dyslexia so they really struggle to read information or people with dyscalculia who really struggle to read numbers um so there's there's a neurodiversity element and there's just this um personality element and try and understand all of the different things that make up each person that's in the team um and for me really there's no it's not that there's no point but you're going to get a lot less of strength in the bond of the people in the team if you don't start to tap into that as soon as possible and by doing it right up front in the beginning it sets a really clear intention that we care about each other we're interested in each other before we're interested in how do we get this piece of work done because knowing each other and understanding each other and connecting just as people makes everything else easier later on um yeah so i think personal maps is a great one that i mentioned there's a whole bunch of other things like strong suits um that you can do there is um, games if you're in person you can do kind of physical constellation type games where you can get people to stand close to each other if they've got a similar hobby um where you can have people um you know, make some one person makes a statement and people either move towards you or move away from you, depending on how much importance that has for you, that statement, or how much you agree or disagree. There's another activity where you can um, virtually have everyone in a circle on a whiteboard and they are virtually throwing a, a piece of string to each other. So someone will say, um, I, I love swimming. I go swimming three times a week. Someone else in the team will say, oh, do you know, I love swimming. I, I only go once a week, but I really like swimming as well. And so you you pass the string, you draw a line between those two people. And then the person who received it says, oh, yes, I, I do like swimming, but I also have a dog. And someone else on the team says, oh, yeah, I've got a dog as well. And you keep this conversation going until there's a connection. These lines are appearing between everyone on the team, um, all around the outside and, and across to each individual and physically as well people can see the connection in that regard uh, and that is really powerful 
Um, you can do it with a ball of string if you're in person and you actually get the physical connection where you can all feel each other kind of tugging on the string, which is really cool. It's a really shared, really nice shared energy that you get from that in person. But yeah, from a visual element, if you're doing it remotely, uh, it's, it's possible as well on a virtual whiteboard. So what you're saying is that it's not only important, but as a coach or as a scrum master, as a facilitator, you start you start with these, which is actually a very interesting insight, simple, but very powerful. Like I, I do mm. notice with myself that I, I do get into the, <laughs> the details of the techniques or the framework or scrum or Kanban or whatever it is. Mm. Really starting out with this, these aspects is... Yeah, I think a great, a great advice. Yeah. What is what is now really, really the purpose behind all this that we're focusing on human connection, team, this team formation, this bonding? Yeah. Why, why is it? Why is that so important? Well, if you look at a lot of the challenges that you might have experienced with teams or with relationships. Nine times out of 10, that comes down to some kind of fracture or break in the, in the connection between the people. And that might be communication between two people. It might be communication between um, a team versus a manager who sits outside of the team. It, it could be multiple different things, but nine times out of 10, it comes down to a human problem and a, a lack of connection between two or more people that is causing something bigger. And so by starting with this and by setting that intention that this actually is really important and we we are going to pay deliberate attention to this, we are going to spend time on this in order to make everything else easier later on. So yeah, it's you're trying to be proactive in creating the environment for collaboration psychological safety openness transparency all of the other all of the other lovely things that we talk about from an agile point of view this is really foundational for me and trust in the end it's about building trust mm. and people trust each other and yep. they can and you can challenge each other and you can build upon each other each other Mm. take personal responsibility accountabilities but it needs trust and trust is not something that you get from one day to another it's like kind of a byproduct of all yeah. the things that you that you, that, that happen within a team or uh, in a yeah. group of people and and sometimes it's you know we're making an assumption here or at least i am in what i've been talking about so far that you've got the luxury of being part of that team's journey from day one which isn't always the case as a as which a is often not the case <laughs> most of the time not the case <laughs> yeah exactly in which case you're kind of you've missed you've missed the bus um so what happens there um and something that i've i've been experimenting with is is using a model again to kind of extract the conversation one level away from the the, the team and the work so for example the tuckman model of team performance where you have the stages of forming, storming, norming, and performing, and potentially adjourning if you have the full the full five steps of the model. Um, and you can start a dialogue with the team if you're coming into an established team and they've already been running for months, 
multiple sprints. You can start with a model like this to start to tap into them as a group and see how how connected are they? How how is their communication currently working? How are they connected as a group of humans? Do they agree that they're all at the same stage as a team in that model? Just as a as an example, I don't particularly think that model is, you know, the best one out there. There's plenty of models out there, but just as a talking point and a, a way to frame a conversation that allows you to observe what is that energy, what is that communication, what's the dynamic like within that team? Um, yeah. Do you have agreement, disagreement? Do you have strong voices, quiet voices? Do you have um, alignment? Um, do you have laughter or, you know, tension? What is it that you can start to tap into? So, yeah, there's even if you don't have the luxury of being with them on day one, there's there's always something that you can play around with to try and tap into the people um, as quickly as possible. What do you do in situations where there is a lack of psychological safety? And for example, you notice clearly that there is something wrong in the dynamic of the team in the way that people collaborate. They don't feel comfortable about speaking, yeah, uh, talking about elephants in the room or anything like that. Mm. Uh, maybe yeah, internally or due to external factors. Like how, how do you approach it then? Because I guess these are the most challenging situations. Yeah. And I've also come across a couple of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This uh, is common, unfortunately. Um, I think there's, there's value in going back to basics um, and, and stepping away potentially from the immediate problem that's in front of you. Cause often that, that may be where things are surfacing, but it might not be where it originates. Um, so what have I done in those situations? So I think there's definitely value in talking to people collectively and separately and giving people the opportunity to, to have a one-to-one -one conversation. Mm. Um, if you are doing things collectively, there are tools that allow anonymous polling, anonymous voting, um, anonymous comment writing. Um, so having having the availability of things like that. But when I talk about bringing it back to basics, it's just looking at the, what's what's the core kind of agreements that are in place with this team. Do we have do we have a common working agreement? Um, do we have a clear vision that we're all aligned to? Do we have shared goals and shared outcomes that we're trying to achieve together? I think those are really good questions, again, to start to peel back the layers on the onion and to find out actually what, what is it that's going on here? And is there is there something quite basic and fundamental actually that would help as opposed to, you know, just trying to tackle the thing that's right in front of you? Yes. Yeah, I can also share uh, an example of that. Once I used the metaphor of the stinky fish, like to surface what is rotten and people are not talking about, like let them individually, uh, you know, uh, name name what what they think is a stinky fish in the team, and then get <laughs> that as as input for for uh, yeah. Uh, uh, conversation in in the group mm. yeah, and it helped mm. i like the proactive nature of that as well where you're not necessarily waiting for there to be a problem you're trying to surface things that might be there but aren't quite big enough yet 
for them to be causing a direct problem but you're you're giving the people the opportunity to yeah to, to kind of proactively say there's this thing that's starting to get a bit smelly over here i really like that hmm. so what according to you is like the role of management or leadership in general in organizations to create this kind of culture that we're describing here because i also came across situations that people are like a bit reluctant or even you know they don't clearly show show interest in this more human side or this softer side of, of collaboration it's about mm. the facts and the results and we need to perform and yeah, but that also tells a lot about the culture and the environment mm. where people are working in so yeah what, how yeah what 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 does it mean then and how can uh, mm. what kind yeah. of thing managements yeah yeah there's definitely think, think about there's definitely uh cultural elements there's there's language elements there's behavioral elements that are all really key from from a leadership and a management perspective to to this kind of work you know if we if we're in a room where a team of people is being referred to as resources as opposed to people um you know there's a signal right there that that you can gently provoke and you know ask a, ask a curious question when you talk about resources do you mean people hmm. um, and yeah when we're focused or the conversation is focused around results and you know team velocity why isn't the team velocity like this and um, again it's okay well maybe you're not asking the team that question the, the, the best people to ask that question to and to have that conversation with is the team so uh, encouraging that, you know, directness and that openness uh, uh, the, as close to possible as the people doing the work as opposed to some abstracted management layer. Um, similarly, if there's a conversation about bringing new people into a team or moving people across teams, you know, it's making sure that person is involved in that conversation and doesn't just get told someone's decided that you'd be better off over here because you've got a skill set that's needed. So, well, hang on, what what about what they think? What Do they want to do that? Maybe they're really happy and really into the work that they're doing at the moment, even if it's not directly in their wheelhouse, but they're learning so much and they're growing professionally that they don't want to be moved. You know, that it's these, these kind of conversations and, um, these kind of uh, kind of cultural nuances that we see, these um, potential dysfunctions that start to bubble up, um, I think, yeah, kind of exposing them and being curious about them in a in a gentle way, mm. and encouraging leaders and managers to just to think about it differently is is a really good place to start. Um, but it's critical, I think. Any good leader, manager team lead, scrum master, coach, wh whatever your position you're holding or name you're holding at the time. And if you don't, if you're not curious about these things, then your success is going to be limited. Yes. All right. Um, I also like to talk to you about a bit the, the drawing and the sketch noting and the visualization that you do. Yeah. How how does that come into the picture? How how does that help uh, also for things that we're discussing here? Yeah, I think going back to that kind of neurodiversity element of teams, people learn and and um, 
people have different ways of communicating and understanding the world around them. And for some people, that's in a visual way. They, they would prefer to draw something on a piece of paper to explain a concept than they would to write a logical flow diagram, you know, with cubes, tri diamonds for decisions and arrows in all the different directions. They, that's, they can't read something like that or they can't produce something like that. And so it started for me as a way of finding what works for me in communicating what's important. Um, and yeah, I found that actually it's a really useful thing to have um, to, to communicate. It's, a, it's an extra option that you've got as opposed to like what we're doing today, which is we're having a verbal conversation. Um, yes, it helps. Some people are fantastic at writing. Um, and some people use images and drawing um, to, to convey messages. So, yeah, for me, it was about finding a way for myself to communicate differently and in a way that worked for me. Um, but it definitely, it definitely resonates at the team level when you provide options around how to give and receive information. Yeah, thank you for that. That's, that's mm. really, really inspiring. I've seen it, of course many times in in practice and in action mm. uh, but uh it's uh it's def definitely definitely a plus yeah so and you don't you don't mm. i just want to add in one final point around that as well you know there's no uh skill necessarily to to the art of it you know there's there's the draw you don't have to be an artist to try Indeed. and visualize something you know it stick men and crappy drawings of dogs and horses the crappier the better i say um but it just it, it's it shows a little bit of a, an experimental and innovative mindset as well to actually you know put these things down on paper and, and share them and encourage others to do so as well so don't don't feel like you can only do this if you're confident at drawing it's it's really not about that it's just about trying to convey a message in a different way yeah that's good that you say that because i think that that's also sometimes a misconception hmm. so what's what's the last uh, word of uh, you know advice or uh, or a coaching question or a quote that you would like to conclude with for our listeners wow that is that is a great question um hmm I'm looking around me on the walls for, for a, a good quote. Okay, I found one. So this is from a book, uh, Humanocracy, uh, which is a great book. And it states that work has become even more central to human identity. We cannot shirk our responsibility. We must nurture the innate problem-solving skills of every human being at work and create elastic roles that expand as the human capabilities grow. Wow, thank you for that. <laughs> so Humanocracy is the book. That is from the book Humanocracy, yes, which um, talks about how organizations sh should approach this um, in probably a different way than they used to, and very much human-centered principles driving the organization. All right, also refer to that book <laughs> so thank you um noel if uh, people would like to reach out to you contact you in any way what's the best way for them to do so 
Um, LinkedIn is um, quite active on there, post on there a couple of times a week. Um, I also have a website which people are welcome to visit, um, which is just noelwarnell.uk. Yes, and I'll reference that one as well. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Bye. Hi there. You have been listening to the podcast Agility Humanity. My name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred service. I am creating this podcast in my free time and my own expenses. Creating and publishing this podcast does involve some costs. If you want to support me, please check the podcast page for possibilities. Thank you and hope to hear from you soon.